Old school, Jake Huger, Mark Thompson with you guys. I love it. Okay, great to see Mark here and in studio. All right, guys, as usual here, we're gonna do a couple things. We've got, in other words, if you're not familiar with old school, we're gonna do nothing. We're <laughs> we're gonna have a little bit of substantive conversation today about the media, or we might even start with that. But before we do that, shoptyt.com, all right? So number one, more of my autographed books are out there, okay? Yes. Uh, just coming. You guys uh, got this to sell out a couple of times on on there, and so we offered up more for you guys. I've been doing autographs upstairs for hours, anyway, which is awesome. I love you guys for it. Uh, so tyt.com/justice uh, is is the way to get that. All right. So Mark, uh, let's start out before. All right. You know what? We'll do one goofy thing, and then the media stuff. All right. All right. Uh, French fries with milkshake, acceptable or unacceptable? Uh, it's all decadent, and so it's acceptable. Uh, but like, I should be clear, dipping the French fries in oh, the milkshake. That is a level of kink that I have never really, I mean, slathering French fries in every other conceivable liquid, uh, everything from Thousand Islands dressing to some barbecue ketchup mixture that you came up yourself, you know, with. That's all very acceptable. And even you'd almost think boilerplate when it comes to really enjoying French fries. But actually dipping it in the milkshake, or I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that's a French fries faux pas. We got a French fry faux pas, yeah. folks. It's official. I agree. It's unanimous. It's an old school rule, not permitted. Okay, so we're very clear on that. But you open up a can of worms there, or a can of French fries, if such a thing exists. You're right. The French fries are better when you put like the Thousand Island or something. Lately, I've been getting. I don't really much like French fries. I just think they're okay. Wow, just okay. That's so that, you're really yeah. An I'm outlier. out there. Yeah, yeah, I'm an outlier on French fries. It's true. And and but I'm about to prove my point. The reason that people are putting stuff all over French fries and being like, oh, what if we put cheese and bacon on top of it, right? And lately. I've been getting like cheeseburger fries where they put in the chopped burger and the oh. and the lettuce and tomato and cheese. I got buffalo chicken fries that were um, awesome. Okay. You know why though? Because they don't taste that good. So you have to put a lot of stuff on them to get them to taste good. Now look, I know you fry them, you put a ton of salt on them. Of course, then all good Americans like them, yeah. right? <laughs> but that's usually <laughs> what they are. It's fried with a bunch of salt on them. And of course, then that's all you really need. I mean, I, McDonald's for decades sold it. We've sort of evolved in our french fries taste because McDonald's sold just what you're talking about, this little bag of french fries you know, that was just filled with salt and fried potatoes. And it became their thing and a staple of America. Now we do all this other crap you're talking about. Yeah, and that's because in the beginning, French fries were too fat and they had too much potato in them. Oh, and potato is not really a good consistency. You're no. making a good point, but the reality is that we've gone back to me in my house. I agree that the thinner McDonald's fries, they were a breakthrough. Because of the way we consume fries in the past, but now, stay with me. I think we've evolved so that steak fries, fat fries, the crinkly fries, even the bigger fries, ooh, that's another level. It's good. 
Yeah, it so you're a thin. You're a thin guy. No, I'm a thin guy. Yeah. Well, okay. that's guys. The I only got, thing I'm a thin I, guy about. I got go ahead, I Bart. Got, I got to jump in on the French fry here. Okay, best French fry ever for me. Made, prepared, seasoned curly fries. I would add sweet potato pie, like curly fries. Oh wow! Nope, nope, nope. No, no, mm -hmm. no, you lost me. That's you a whole other me. thing. That's a taste thing. We're okay. right now. We're still on the geometry of it. Okay. Yeah. Just point but, that out there, guys. But, 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 but don't, there. but don't go far because the taste thing is coming up. <laughs> okay. But I think the, the, the curly fries again is another form of the thin fry. Yeah, and so last thing on this, and then we'll go to a, a semi-serious conversation about the state of media, especially as Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon got fired today. Bloody Media Monday. Yeah, how about uh, that? Yeah, uh, look, the more you get away from the potato, the better the fry is. So the genius of Ray Kroc was, let's have less potato and way more salt, <laughs> right? And way more frying of the French fry. And so, and then the curly fries, to both of your points, gets further away from the potato. Mm -hmm. Let's like let's make them thin. Let's wrap them, right, and then drown them in like fry, like frying batter and sure. and salt, etc. And then when like then now Shake Shack is like hold, let's get further away from the fry <laughs> and the potato, and let's pour the cheese, the bacon, etc. And then the new restaurants with the buffalo chicken fries, yeah, and. Like I'm thinking of ordering the buffalo chicken fries without the fries next time. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the point. You've you've gotten so far. I mean, Jenk, that is a funny concept, but the reality is 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 real. Which is you've gotten so far from French fries now because you've added all this other stuff that I could take the French fries out and I've still got essentially the dish that you have concocted. You know what? Since I'm the most open-minded man in America. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell us a tale of how open-minded I am. So, who convinced me of it on old school? Damn it! Now I lost my train of thought because somebody convinced me that I was wrong about something, and that does not happen often. But I went there because I'm the most open-minded man in America. Okay. Now I've lost track of what it is, though. Okay, lost the history. Turns out I was right about everything. The one thing that I was wrong about, it's lost the history. Now, I'll remember it later in the show and we'll come back to it. So that'll be fun. Okay, but let's do the media thing because it's such a giant. I would think giant. that would be somewhere, the one thing I was wrong about. That would be on a plaque somewhere. <laughs> but, I, but by the way, I'm of course, I'm kidding around. There's tons of things I was wrong about. I used to be a Republican, right? So oh my there God, yes. plenty that I was wrong about. And and there was there's actually been plenty of things I've been convinced of on the show. And that is what makes us very, very different than every, everyone else. Right, there are a lot of disparate views on this panel. This is not, just because they're at this table doesn't mean everybody agrees. Right. 100%, and in fact, um, so I'll give you two quick examples that I've given before. Maybe it'll drag my memory on the irrelevant example I was gonna give you that's about a tiny little, Oh, I know what it is, I got it. Ben convinced me about the lettuce. Okay, because I used to think that lettuce was irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why are we having a conversation about lettuce? Why is it in all of our sandwiches? It's just a big fat nothing burger, okay? It's like a burger, but without the burger, it's just lettuce, it's nothing, okay? <laughs> right. Okay, so whereas celery actively tastes bad, in my opinion. Lettuce at least is neutral, but um, I forget if it was Ben or you or a combination. I, I was of here on that night. Yes, you yeah. were. Yeah. You were one of the people who changed my mind. Yeah. And, and whoever, whichever one of you made the point, no, lettuce, especially if you chop it up, absorbs the sauces better, like the oil and vinegar uh -huh. on a sub. I don't think I did make that point. Okay. okay. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think that might be right. 
And then the next time I got a sub, I was like, the lettuce is holding the sauce. <laughs> the lettuce is holding the oil and vinegar. That's right. But, but the more chopped the lettuce is, the better. Which led me to the idea of they should take out, they should do like a, a non potato version of all these things that I'm talking about. Like the, you lay the buffalo chicken sauce thing that tastes so good on top of chopped lettuce, and the lettuce will hold the sauce. Okay. I see. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And it's healthier yeah. than the carb filled French fries. Right. You know but what? People like the decadence of those fries. But your point, uh, my point about the lettuce was that there's a texture to it in addition to the taste. Yes. That helps the experience. I mean, a lot of food is texture. No, it turns out you made a good point. Okay. <laughs> and you and Ben, Doug, you know, I think you guys tag team me and yeah, I think you guys I think were ben right. Was here that night. You're and right. guys, by the way, if you like, there's nothing wrong with coming to a new conclusion. I know the whole world tells you that there's something wrong, like it's a weakness. Like, oh my God, never change your mind. That's ooh, no. Especially for talk show hosts. That's a that's like the biggest red line. Do not ever change your mind. Do not ever say that you were wrong. That's like talk right, show. Double one down. Double, you gotta double down. Yeah. And the funny thing is, I have a reputation since I don't often apologize, right? <laughs> of like being like, oh, I'm never gonna change my mind. But I've changed it about lettuce. What else do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> no. I always love when they get politicians for flip-flopping on something when they've come to the right conclusion. Why? Why is that? Well, he's fl he's a flip-flopper, and that, that that becomes that's in the spots. Like you know, you know, Joe, he's a flip-flopper on immigration or whatever. You know yeah. that that whole flip-flop thing. I thought Obama was the first politician I'd heard sort of take it on. Straight and say, hey, I got additional information, and based on the information I got, I realized that my position needed to change on this. I'm the first non politician to do it. Okay. And so the funny thing is, so my friends, so one of the reasons that I'm troll resistant is because all my friends growing up were trolls. Okay. <laughs> I lived in a little shire of a troll community. Okay. And so, and you've seen some of them on our air, like Steve O, Dave Cole. I grew up with these guys, and no one trolls me harder. So, like the right way, you guys are amateurs compared to the guys that I grew up with, right? Who mastered the, they have black degrees in bus nuts. Okay. So, like, Dave would always, you know, go after me as a flip flopper because I used to be a Republican, now I'm a Democrat, now I'm a progressive. And I used to be religious, and now I'm not religious, etc. And he's like, ah, oh, flip flopper. I'm like, you know what, Dave? Congrats on never changing your mind about anything. I bet you were born with all the right opinions, and you probably nailed it. Okay, so congrats on that. So that's the back and forth. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a good reversal. Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, it's uh, yeah, but it's always funny that you're right though. But it's somehow. Uh, modifying your position is somehow in this, particularly these days. And as you suggest, if you're a media person, oh no, 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 you want to, you want to lean in. You never give. Ben and I, when we were first doing the show, uh, you know, on radio, etc., now 21 years and and some odd, now decades ago. Anyways, we used to always say, uh, and he still says it from time to time when he's on old school. It's like, have you ever heard anyone on TV or in uh, Congress say? Hey, that's a good point. I think you're right. <laughs> like never, never, right? In the middle of a debate on CNN, yeah. where one side goes, huh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm switching my position. 
Like it's never happened, You're right? right? Yeah. And uh, outside of the Young Turks. And so, huh, gee, I wonder if they're genuine opinions or if they're playing a role, right? So like on serious stuff, I've had changed my mind a bunch of times. Well, I had an hour long debate with Mario Cuomo uh, when we were on Sirius Satellite Radio. He came into the studio in New York when Ben and I were visiting New York. And and then he we were supposed to do a quick like five, 10 minute segment. But he wouldn't leave because I kept debating him about the death penalty, okay? Oh, that's terrific. And I was pro-death penalty at the time, and he right. was anti-death penalty, and I kicked his ass. Wow. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, then I flipped. <laughs> then and I, I flipped. kicked somebody else's ass. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously, I, I, you know me, I, I thought I did it pretty good. I'm <laughs> sure you did. I know you, and I'm sure you probably did do pretty well. But, but given that Mario Cuomo, especially back then, was considered like a legendary debater and legendarily right. anti death penalty, I was like, I held my own. I'll take sure. it. I mean, a push there is a win, right? Uh, and so, but later, I would become convinced by the facts that the death penalty was a bad idea. Why? Because the Innocence Project proved that we were executing dozens of innocent people. Mm. And like tons of them, now I think we're in the hundreds that have been released from death row. Well, it's one thing to want to kill the right person. You can say I'm a bad guy for that, right? And that's fair, and that we could go back to debating that. It's another thing to kill the wrong person, sure, right? And I was like, well, if you're not moved by that, you're just saying, A, either, mm, I don't care about anything, man. Moralities, I, I couldn't care less. I'm okay with killing the wrong people. That is cray cray, right? But some people. Well, it's that you know, I'm so concerned with killing those people that I know are 100% guilty that I'm ready to kill these people. And I don't really know who these people are or what their cases are. It's, yeah. it's weird. There's, a, there's something that's happening particularly here, but it might be happening around the world when it comes to law and order. And I feel a, a frustration with the, a lack of law and order, a lack of accountability. And so I, I share that. But I think that that can so infect your thinking and your logic. That it's no, I want to get that that child molester, serial murderer, and I want to execute him. And I'm so fixed on that that I'm ready to overlook whatever the the details are on these 53 other people who the Innocent Project is now representing. I mean, uh, I, 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 that states it starkly, but it's really just maybe half a click off of that. Yeah, and and some people go, no, I'm not going to change my mind no matter what. Right. I don't care about your right. stupid. Facts, I got my emotions here to deal with, right? Thank you. And it's I'm an emotional angry, argument. right? Yes. Yeah. And so, and Mark, I'm with you. I'm angry about crime. And I don't think it's a progressive position to say that uh, crime's not a big deal. No, crime is, every crime is an injustice. And for progressives, we care about justice. And so we should be the most pissed about crime. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have a certain reaction to it, right? It doesn't mean you have to be the more draconian person in your reaction to crime, but you at least have to. Be bounds of reason, and by the way, everybody's a hypocrite, right, on this issue. So Anna and I debated the abolitionists for a while that want to abolish all prisons, and so that makes no sense to us. And and we asked a hundred times, what's your alternative? Because to your point about the, you know, it's an extreme example, but it definitely happens, and unfortunately, it happens way too often. What if you got a child molester, killer, etc.? We're just gonna let that guy walk and do reparative therapy later? I don't think so, right? And they're like, mm, kind of, yeah. And I'm like, no, no way, no way. But then you ask him about Donald Trump, and he committed some tax fraud and you know campaign finance violations, and those same people are like, lock him up, lock him up. Wait, 
are we abolishing prisons or aren't we abolishing right, prisons? Right, right. So he that, that guy gets jail sentence, which I totally agree with Trump, right? But the child molester walks? No, nope, 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 nope. Okay, so you just have to be internally consistent. I would just say this, just because I'm here and I've got a chance to say it to you, and I'm sure this is, this point has been made over and over. I might have even made it on this set before, but I feel like the law and order libs stand the best chance of in in contemporary America of gaining traction. Yeah. You know, the 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 way they that libs are always painted as sort of the the ones who want to empty the prisons or that want to you know want to let repeat offenders. Uh, seek kind of therapy. Uh, however, it's painted. It can be painted in all these different extremes. Uh, I, I think that those things sadly do land, and I'd love to see liberal public officials. They don't have to be legislators. <clears throat> they can be DAs. They can be. I mean, look at the new DA in San Francisco. That's a liberal, Brooke Jenkins. She's uh, she's tough. She's tough on law and order. Yeah, and you go, you know. Now she may not be making all the right decisions, but or she may, she may be. But the point is, her profile as a liberal is anything but easygoing when it comes to lawlessness. Yeah. So you you don't have to be dumb to be tough. Okay. So what I mean by that is like stop and frisk is tough, but it's dumb. Like it doesn't help. All it does is pull over 90, 96% of the people they pull over are minorities. So they're obviously targeting not based on likelihood to do a crime, but likelihood to be black or brown, right? So that doesn't help crime at all. In fact, you spend all your time on all these innocent people. And how, how many cases are you solving? Not that many, right? Go solve the murders, go solve the rape, etc. Go solve tons of crime that we need to solve. If somebody says, yeah, solve it, but then don't put them in prison. I don't agree. But if somebody says, "Oh, I'm going to be tough on crime. I'm going to attack crime where it isn't in minorities." Wait, why? Why? That seems like you're on an agenda to target minorities, not to target crime, right? So that you can be smart about the way you go about this. But anyways, we've changed. I have changed. I'll speak for myself. I've changed my mind plenty of times and on air. One of our callers all the way back in the day changed my mind about the estate tax with a great point. So no kidding. Yeah. What was that? So I was I was still transitioning, if you will, right? <laughs> okay. My pronouns were still a little bit Republican, sure. right? But yeah, not good. Fuzzy. So right. yeah, and so I started voting for Democrats at that point, right. and I'm starting to get more and more pissed at the Republicans for the crazy stuff that they're doing. But I still have some like, uh, what do they call those um, vestiges? No, yeah. vestigial. Uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Um, uh, it's on blanking on the name. Anyway, okay. uh, I still have some of those leftover opinions, right? Legacy opinions? Legacy, yeah, legacy opinions that I have left over. And so I remember thinking the estate tax, that doesn't seem fair. I mean, you already paid the taxes and now you die, you gotta pay the taxes again. And the caller made it such a simple point. And he's like, Jenk, you're just flat out wrong. Um, Paris Hilton is getting taxed, not Conrad Hilton. Conrad Hilton died. Left tons of money for Paris Hilton. Right. Paris Hilton has never been taxed on it. Exactly. So I have to work my ass off as a trucker, right? And then I get taxed on that. But she doesn't didn't work a day in her life, and she doesn't get taxed on the hundreds of millions of dollars her grandpapa left her. I was like, that's. Yeah. In, I'm instantly changing my mind because right. that is just simply correct. And, that, and by the way, that argument for the estate tax and against the estate tax has been so. It, 
There are no new uh, versions of that. It seems like everything is very well. This is already taxed. The money has already been taxed. This is ridiculous. That argument is just the argument that is constantly dusted off. But it is, as you've said. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's new money to whoever is receiving it. And right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. All so right. Uh, by the way, Raspberry Swirl Twenty Two. You can dip fries in that, and is a new member. Mm. And. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you don't want the ras uh, fries dipped in your raspberry swirl 22, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> True Seeker uh, and Lyle Cook. Uh, so thank you all for uh, joining and they hit the join button below the video on YouTube. And they were right here, I mean, as soon as we started, they're like, I'm in, I'm in, I like this. Oh, that's okay. very cool. Well, uh, please, uh, after the show, head over to my show, which is the Mark Thompson Show. It's on two hours a day, 10 to noon. We do a live show just like... Uh, the great Cenk Uger, and uh, it's a kind of a it's a radio uh, show, TV show hybrid. Uh, I think you'll like it. We do a lot of stuff, uh, light, serious, a lot of politics. So uh, check it out anyway. It's called the Mark Thompson Show, and you can, um, you know, what subscribe, share, uh, do all those. Things. Oh, absolutely, you're doing all of them. <laughs> you're so subscribe so easy. Oh, there's a share button. Come on, too easy. Yeah, really. Okay, things along those Thank lines. You. All right, a couple of comments real quick before we finally go over to media. Shy Coltrane 42, Mark's in the house. Tucky's waving bye-bye. Life's sweet. Oh, that okay. is cool. Okay. Uh, Sina Hogeboom says, come on, Jenk. It's like having a salad on your sandwich, referring to the lettuce. I don't know if you meant that as a good thing or a bad thing, though. Sounded bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sounded bad. Ian says, referring to seasoned curly sweet potato fries. Bart is correct. Sorry, Jane. Bart, how about that? Okay. Thank Bart's you. Bart skated out onto the ice for 30 Thank seconds you. and he's, uh, he you. gets the love. It's an acquired taste, guys. That's all I got to say. I hear you, brother. Uh, my wife's into it too. And I like how uh, Bart's got a burner account of Ian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In the member section, I'm just playing with you. Um, these days, Bart gets more love than any of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Boomer Dragon Cat says, "Hey, Jake, if Rupert called you and said he wants to take Fox all the way progressive and wants you to run the network, would you do it?" Don't know why. I just keep thinking maybe Murdoch wants to be wants to really shake things up. No, there's a no. The chance of Murdoch taking the uh, network all the way progressive is zero percent. No chance. So not only have I you know, do I know Rupert Murdoch's history? Not only do I, is it super obvious what Rupert Murdoch's um, you know political inclinations are through all of the his life's work, uh, but I've also seen him in person. He did a talk that I was at, and they asked uh, a lot of interesting questions. It was closed door, so I can't say what exactly he said, but it led me to uh, walk out of the room thinking, "Wow, like that dude." Genuinely conservative, not it's not an act, it's not a profit-making scheme. No, he's like retrograde. He's Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> conservative, like kind of Neanderthal. Okay, actually believes the kooky stuff, which I always find surprising. Right, because Murdoch is clearly smart. Right, he's clearly a guy. He put together this giant media enterprise. Has done spectacularly well in business, and but yet he has these opinions that make no sense. No, these political opinions, especially when you when he's challenged on it and he fleshes it out, you're like, oh, that's your reasoning. Like it's that it's always been amazing to me. Like I've told this story once before on on old school. Uh, 
people think that potentially the smartest person on that ever lived was this guy John von Neumann. I don't know if you were on any of the episodes that I talked about him. Yes, you mentioned him. Before. Yeah, yeah. So he was a mathematician. Right. He's the guy where the professor puts up this theorem on the board or this thing, and he says nobody's been able to prove this, but if anybody can prove this by the end of the semester, you'll get an A. I'm probably butchering eight parts of the story, but it's good enough. Yeah. He's coming in. John von Neumann's coming in from. Um, from high school, I think he's like 15 or whatever. He's sitting in the front, like it's like an episode of Sheldon if you ever watched that on CBS. <laughs> uh, and uh, the one part of this, one version of the story, five minutes into the class, the kid goes up to the board. <laughs> people are like, "What is the kid doing?" And he starts writing out the theorem, the proof of the theorem. Right. And then the professor, who was one of the most respected math professors in the world at the time, said, "No student has ever scared me." Like John von Neumann did, okay? Wow. Like his intelligence was through the roof. He wanted to do a preemptive nuclear strike on the Soviet Union. Wow. <laughs> Could not be more wrong. Wow. Could not be more of a dumbass opinion. Right. Could have gotten all of us killed. Sure. And that's the guy who might have been the smartest guy who ever lived. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing, but I mean, this is how, you know, on so many things, it comes down to, well, what do you mean by, and then you fill in the blank, in this case, the smartest man who ever lived. I mean, the smartest man who ever lived might have not even been that good at math. I mean, you know, how good you are at math doesn't necessarily reflect how smart you are when it comes to evaluating. Interpersonal relations, human events, societal problems, whatever. These are complex issues that you can't boil down to some, you know, quadratic equation. So it, I love that story for the way we misapply that title of smartest man. I understand why we apply it, you know, but it's so misapplied when it deals with human events, right? Yeah, totally. Because Exactly what you said, Mark. Which is smart? How? Yeah. You know what? Do, what do you mean smart? Smart's not a thing, right? It's you're good at different particular subjects, topics, etc. Because every brain is different, and there's hundreds of things you could be smart or dumb about. So each one of us is smart and dumb in different ways. And then another example I always use is like on spatial relations. I am a mess. Yeah. I'm not winning with it. And if you just saw me in that context, you'd think, Wow, what a dumbass. This guy might even nuke the Soviet Union and get us all killed. <laughs> okay. So, whereas, of course, in other fields like physics, I'm brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Salty They tea. retired as Jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Salty T says, I love the Mark Thompson show. It's like having the old days of radio with faces. Oh. All right. That is true. Look at this. Karen Davis just joined up. So, what would a Karen do? Join up for Young Turks membership. Oh, that's we, terrific. We appreciate it. Uh, and uh, you can do likewise by hitting the join button below the video on YouTube. And then, last comment here is Super Chat Mohammed writes in Hi, Jake. Do you think Tucker Carlson tucked around and found out? Cheers. I like the play on words. Mm -hmm. I like it, yeah. which is a good transition to our media topic. Yeah. So, let's start this way and see where it goes. Is media, in your opinion, better or worse today than it was 20 years ago? No, that's a great, great question. That um, is, and it's a tough question because I'm not sure. The access points to media are so much more numerous today than they used to be, and you'd think that's a good thing. It's a little like if I said, 
Well, your chances of becoming discovered as an artist today, a recording artist, are so much better because you have so many platforms and so many outlets uh, on which you can share your music, in which you can you do your work. Um, yeah, but there's more noise, so you have to work through it because everybody's got that. Uh, so you can see how that's... So then we get back to our issue of news media. Again, we've all become sort of citizen journalists through... Everything from Instagram posts to TikTok to whatever to having a YouTube platform. But um, then I have to evaluate uh, that access against facts, which are perverted, twisted, left out, uh, misreported. And there's no central clearinghouse by which we can evaluate the veracity of so many things. You just sort of have to trust the source. You find a source. Maybe it's like a TYT and you go, wow. I know that they're pretty careful about what they do, and if they misstep, they'll retract it or correct it. You end up in this place where you have to sort of plot your own course. So I'm thinking this all through over the question of 20 years. You know, the only other thing, and then I will render a, uh, a judgment. The only other thing I would say is there is this uh, wistfulness with which we look back. Like it's always, it was so much better Back then, when you had three networks and, you know, that older, believable white guy came on and told you what was happening in the world. Or, I mean, there's this BS associated with that aura. Now, to be fair, they had many more editors going over stuff. They were trying to source things multiple times. But the biases that existed were immense. And those workplaces were old school workplaces with all kinds of bad stuff going on. So... It was through that lens that they were making those decisions. So I don't buy that, that it was so much better back in the old days. It was certainly easier. I would say... Okay, hold on. All right. You know what? I made up my mind while you were talking. Okay. So why don't I go and then you make up your mind All afterwards. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, because some of what you said helped me. Uh, so I like live betting. Okay, and so I'll explain to folks who don't sports gamble, uh, the folks who have more money than us because they don't sports gamble. Um, so what a live bet is? A live bet is, a, like normally a bet is you 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 go before the game. The Lakers are favored to win. Uh, they're favored to win by four and a half points. I've been making stuff up, but probably generally right. Whatever, and they and they're. Two to one favorites, okay? And so you can bet money before the game and go, okay, you know, I think the Lakers are gonna win. I'm gonna bet $200, I'm gonna win 100, or I think they're gonna win by five, I'm gonna bet in that direction. That's a normal bet, right? A live bet is the game starts and then the odds start fluctuating, right? And the reason why I love live bets is because you get a lot more information and then you could bet, right? And you could pick your spot for when to bet. So if I like a team to win, I wait for them to start losing. Okay, and then I make the bet because you're gonna get much better odds. Mm. Now, unless they're really getting clowned, okay? <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> I've got a great system, dude. Yeah, yeah. The team yeah, that's gonna win, yeah, yeah. you wait until they're almost completely lost the game, then you bet it. But that's literally what I did <laughs> the other night with the Nuggets and the Timberwolves. Okay, you got me riled up, that's and then I went in and I'm like, I bet on the Nuggets uh, to win when they were way down, but then I'm like, wait. It's overtime. There's only 22 minutes left. There's only 2 minutes left in the game. They might run out of time. 
<laughs> anyway, seriously, this isn't about whether I'm a good gambler or not, or whether there's a system that works. No, but you like live betting, you're saying. Yeah, I do. And so that's a giant long lead up to we're in the if we were doing a live bet on media right now, okay, I would bet against cable news, okay, but I would bet on media overall. And so that relates to the 20 year question. So let, so let's say the game started 20 years ago, which it kind of did for us 21 years ago. Young Turks starts, so we're doing a daily show now, and we're keeping up with everything in politics and media. So not perfect, obviously. We go on vacation instead of so I might have missed a story or two, but we've been tracking media and politics for 21 years straight on a daily basis, right? Roughly speaking, and so I know how bad it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I would yell and scream on the show. Every day, as opposed to every other day, okay, and that's because there was no way of getting your voice out. I mean, we—that's why we went to like Sirius Satellite Radio because it was a really rare place where independent voices could speak out. Then that's why we went to online and YouTube because for the same reason, because whenever we went to go speak something that the establishment didn't want, gone, it like wiped off the face of the earth, not allowed. Opposition to the Iraq war, not allowed. It's Phil Donahue, Ashley Banfield, Jesse Ventura, all fired from MSNBC, all four being against the Iraq war. So I actually wrote about that in Justice Coming. Okay, so it was wall to wall corporate propaganda. And now at the same time, they're good people in news, right? Like back then, they were probably better print journalists that really knew politics and understood it. And remember the old days when there wasn't corruption pre 1978. Some of those hard scrabbled guys, and they'd be, and they did real investigative pieces. And then you'd have like the Cy Hirsch's breaking giant stories about the My Lai massacre, etc. Right? So it's a, it's nothing is ever completely black and white, but those were not the good old days, right? Those were you could not get a progressive message out if your life depended on it in media. So. But these now we have the opposite problem, which is the floodgates have opened, and every ghoul and goblin have flown out of Pandora's box, right? But the thing at the bottom is hope. Okay, it's <laughs> <laughs> actually true in Greek mythology, but definitely corny, and I'm playing around. But so the ghouls and goblins flew out, and next thing you know. People don't believe that Biden won the election. People think that people are eating children and in a pizza shop, and and Tom Hanks and Fauci somehow run the world together. How that happened, Tom Hanks will never know. Okay, and I'd love to see a, a, a Tom Hanks run world. Yeah, by the way, how much better would the world be? Yeah, uh, knowing nothing strong. about Tom Hanks' political position, if you told me him or what we have now, but Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, no. I mean, at least I know he'll <laughs> take meetings. He'll be considered about things. He'll yeah, get the best people right. Yeah, can't, and it can't get worse than this. And anyone who's honest is instantly better, right? Anyways, um, so yeah, we've got all the downsides now. But the reason why I'd live bet now on media overall. Is because once you open the, once you took away the gatekeepers and opened the gates, this was inevitable. But this is the growing pains. Everybody always thinks that now is the end of time, like meaning like everything that's ever happened is has happened already, and now we make a decision on media today, right? No, but there's a lot of things that are about to happen, right? Going forward. So the question is, 
what does media look like after this whole process is over? And I think that it looks better. I think that people, and I could be totally wrong, I'm legendarily optimistic. But it looks better because you've shaken out something during that period? Number one, you gotten rid of the gatekeepers. So first of all, you can breathe, okay? With with the gatekeepers, you're, and look here, I'll give you one more example just so that people understand how suffocating the and awful the gatekeepers were. I remember talking, so while we're on Sirius, since in the beginning, especially because they weren't paying us anything, they say, yeah, sure, you could be on other radio stations if you want, right? And so me and Dave put together tapes and we sent them to radio stations. And we got on in Pittsburgh and Wichita and Seattle and Portland and a couple other places, right? These are weekend shows, no big deal. But but hey, at least we got it on. But but really it was so hard. We tried we sent like hundreds of tapes and got on four places, let you know certainly relatively more progressive places like Portland, Seattle, etc. Wichita was kind of an oddball, but um but I, but we get stonewalled everywhere else, and and I got on a phone with a program director of a radio station in Minnesota, right? And the reason he got on the phone with me is because he's like, I listened to your tape, and it's really good. Like you guys are good on air. Like it was compelling. I had trouble turning it off, and I'm like, okay, great. So what what can we do together? He's like, oh no, I I called to tell you that we can't hire you. Why? And he's like, well, my station is wall to wall conservatives. Because it's talk radio, the only thing that really worked was Rush Limbaugh for a long time. And so then we had to build programming around Rush, right? And now every once in a while I tried, because you could tell he's a good guy, he's trying to do the right thing and he liked it. And he didn't get turned off by the left wing content or anything like that. He's like, every once in a while I put on a left wing host, but the audience hates it. And it drives down the ratings. So, sorry, no, we can't, I can't put you on. And that, he was the only one honest enough to say it, or he was among the few that were honest enough to say it. But that's why progressives had no chance, no sure. chance. You could not get on air, right? So, when you, but now that you have this madness that is like all of the different ideas and stuff, eventually things, Grow and then they shrink. They grow and then they shrink. So there's going to be shrinkage here. Mm-hmm. We're going to go into a cold pool, okay? And and I think what's going to happen is eventually people are going to go, okay, <clears throat> I like loony right wing. I'm going here. Mm-hmm. I like fact based progressives. I'm going here. I'm pretty comfortable. I'm going to stay on cable news, okay? <laughs> like right, right, right. I don't want things to change too much. I'm staying on cable news, and it, people are going to find their groove. And at least there's gonna be a little bit more honesty. Hey, that one's right wing, that one is left wing, that one is pro corporate, etc. Before it was just one big blob and they told you it was objective when it wasn't. It was just more pro establishment, pro status quo, pro corporate and disguised as objective, sure. right? So I'm, I think this is a really good moment for media because I think it's gonna go up from here. Not necessarily tomorrow, right? But to, to your question, Better media moment now than 20. This is where we're stopping the music with your question. So we're looking at it right now. Um, now, the answer may be, to be fair to you, well, I'll choose right now because of the potential of right now, which I think is likely what you're going to say. But we were evaluating it versus 20. Yeah, years. yeah, no, no, you're right to hold my feet to the fire. So uh, because of the potential, I would definitely say now, right? But if you made me then say, hey, wait a minute, no, right now, 
forget the future as opposed to 20 years from now. Uh, right now it's really bad. Yeah. Like, because like it's not like the corporate guys went away. New York Times, NPR, MSNBC, CNN, they're printing establishment propaganda, in my opinion, 24 7, day after day after day. And they still control the minds of a lot of the older voters. And they're leading them astray by like saying, no, only 26% of the country wants Biden to run. That's a great sign. Hmm. No, it's not. That's a terrible sign. But everyone on cable news is like, ah, yeah, only Joe Biden can win. He's at 26%, how can only he win? That doesn't make any sense. But they get people to believe it, just like Fox News gets people to believe that that Trump won the election. They get, I mean, they look at a number, his popular 26% want him Biden to run, 70% don't want him to run. But if you wanna say just popularity, 38% popularity, 48% disapproval. Right. That's a disaster for an incumbent, disaster. Let me ask you a question about those numbers, because it strikes me that we're in the age of lower numbers for approval rating, for desirability, electability, for all the things that you have correctly, I think, evaluated in, in the case of Joe Biden. But if you looked at the Trump numbers, you looked at the Bush numbers, you looked at the, uh, I, I, you'd have to refresh my memory on the Obama numbers uh, going into his second term, you know, uh, when he was running for the second term. I'm just wondering if we haven't entered into, and, and this actually dovetails with what we're talking about, because I think a reason for this could be the, you know, the slings and arrows, if you will, of the of this media uh, megalopolis, which is all over the place. And to be, as a public official, you take a lot of incoming fire, and I'd suggest that the days of polling much above fifty percent, they may be gone. So you have to recalibrate. I, 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 I think that that's right, but I'm asking you. You watch this stuff much more closely. So Mark, I have two answers to that. They're yes and no. Okay, so yes in the sense of, yeah, you're right. Now everybody gets their face ripped off. And it's hard to come out unscathed. It's nearly impossible to come out unscathed. So for example, we get our face ripped off by leftist allies because we disagreed on something one to two percent because there's money in the face ripping industry, right? So that's how you get clout, that's how you get, so oh, you attack your enemies, you attack your allies, you attack everyone, right? Because that's the mess that we're in right now. So okay, for us, it's not important because we're not running for office and then, and we, and you know us, we don't mind, go ahead, okay? and. And we'll rip your face off in return. And that's when people catch feelings. They're like, wait, I thought I was only doing it to you. You're doing it to me now? Every time, it doesn't matter if they're right wing, left wing or moderate, every time. They'll say something outrageous against you. You fight back a little bit, they're like, you're not allowed to do that, are you? Oh, goddamn right I am, so sad day, move along. Okay, so anyways, so that's the melee that we're in. <clears throat> so when it comes to politicians, it's a great point, Mark. It is hard to get past 50% in this pool of piranhas, right? right? There's nothing but piranhas just eating you alive, no matter what happens from all sides, right? Like even for the Republicans, in a sense, they're a bigger mess, right? And so like Ted Cruz used to be the conservative firebrand. Before Trump, he was a right-wing populist. Now, if you were asked right-wing populists, Ted Cruz is way too soft and weak. And his allies have ripped his face off, let alone his opponents, 
right? So would he pull about 50%? No way, no way, right? So now that's the yes and that's a solid yes. The no is you give me something that has been bottled up, something that that no one until very, very recently had any option to vote for. You give me a populist progressive and they will be at like 70%. So that's an outrageous thing to say. Uh, I'm biased, blah, 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 right? Why do I say that? Because I try to base everything in facts, not what I want and not my feelings, right? Fetterman, look at Fetterman. Okay, Fetterman, pre stroke, populist progressive within bounds. There was plenty of his positions where I was like, oh, dude, why'd you do that? Sure. Like, you know, don't do that. Where he was, you know, making sure that people didn't attack him politically with the pack attacks and all that stuff. And so he wasn't like a wild eyed radical. He was a pragmatic, populist, progressive, you know, and people loved it. Yeah. He built such a giant lead that he had a stroke. He couldn't speak in the debate, and he won anyway. Yeah. And he didn't win in Hawaii or Rhode Island or California. He won in Pennsylvania, which is a much closer state. So, and part of the reason why that's successful is the same thing we used to hear all the time, all the way back to the Sirius Satellite Radio. I thought I was alone. Right, because in that media atmosphere, everybody, the majority of the country was made to feel like they were alone. They were the lone insiders. Oh, you progressives. Oh, what do you want, paid family leave? <laughs> like every other developed nation. Oh, you think 84% of the country's on your side? No voice for you, okay? And so the minute you gave it a voice, even one that couldn't speak, they were like, yes, that, that, we want that one. Right, and it wasn't even close. So yes, it's definitely possible if you actually have positions that agree with the American people, mm. which is super hard. Right, right, because God didn't come down and go, the Republicans are right about everything, or the Democrats are right about everything. Right, that's not how it works. The fact that we all agree to the Democratic positions or all agree to the Republican positions on the two sides is insane. That's by definition wrong. That means I am doing no independent thinking. I'm just whatever my side is, which was set a lot of times 80 years ago what those positions were. I am sticking with it. That is, I think those are all correct positions. You sure, dog? <laughs> right? So anyway, so bottom line is I think that Biden is in disastrous shape. I think he's gonna get his world rock if he's the general election candidate. I think there's a near guaranteed loss if we run him. Really? Based on the polling. I mean, Jamar, you remember the days when the rule was if you're an incumbent under 50%, you're gonna lose. Yeah. He's not under 50%, he's under 40%. Do you, so was he, he just met his moment in time against this guy, this troubled dude, Trump, who was also at a troubled time? I mean, I think, if, you know, had it not been for COVID, you know, possibly Trump could have won re-election. You know, uh, mm -hmm, the uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, bizarre as it is, but it's way worse than that, Mark. You kidding me? He so Biden won the general, wins the general election by seven million votes, but most of that comes in the giant blue state uh, victories in California and New York. In the swing states that decided the electoral college, he only wins by forty three thousand votes, and that's after Trump was the most evil, duplicitous, clownish. Moronic president we have ever had. Yeah, I mean, guys, I can't overstate this enough. We all saw him on national TV say you should inject bleach into your lungs 
to cure COVID. Right. Like that is maniacally stupid. And they lost to him once and nearly lost to him a second time and then called themselves heroes. Like I am the Biden now says I am the only one who could beat Trump. Why? There's probably tons of people who could beat Trump and by a much wider margin than you. What? Because you did a little bit better than Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was one of the three most unpopular people to ever run for president. Sure. So that's your that's your standard. I cleared the lowest bar in American political history to beat a blithering moron who nearly killed a million of you over the last year. And I did a little bit better than Hillary Clinton, one of the most unpopular politicians of all time. So I know we got to leave, but when we come, when we continue, I want to ask you about the election, and I want to ask you about in the background and not just the news of the day, Tucker Carlson, and the very real possibility I think that you feel mm -hmm. that Tucker Carlson could end up making a move himself. Uh, again, another media figure, right? This isn't a guy who's worked in public policy or, you know, this is a media figure, a media star, just like Trump. The guy was on Dancing with the Stars, right? Might he end up as the next president? Okay, so we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna finish our point about betting against cable news now. Oh, yes, sir. And Thank then you. both Mark and I have to say right now versus 20 years ago, because what you said about stopping now, Made me change my mind for the second time. Okay. <laughs> so, and I'm still not positive. So, guys, good news. There's a second episode of Bowl School. Uh, further good news for members, uh, you get it. For non members, still excellent news. You can hit the join button below the video on YouTube or go to tyt.com slash join if you're anywhere else and you get the second episode in a minute. Well, let's see you there. How about that?